the Biden campaign, a white man in the Biden campaign says, we're not affiliated with this lady. She ain't with the campaign. She don't work for us. And I said, thank you, Jesus Christ. <laughs> thank you. Welcome to the Bituation Room podcast live stream. I'm your host, Francesca Fiorentini. This is Matt Lee. Hey, I'm back again. He's back again. It's a real show. It's not even a bonus. I know. I feel I feel honored to uh, be. This is my second time ever being on the main show. I was um, waiting. I'm waiting for you to whine about. Well, not you doing usually more bonus you shows. usually just have me on the bonus episodes, uh, which have you know like half the viewership, uh, just because you know. That's not- True at all. You just want to hide me That's from the world. Is. No, no, no. This is Matt Lieb. He Hi. is, uh, he's, you've seen him on Good Mythical Morning, mm-hmm. Film Drunk Fraudcast. Mm-hmm. You've smelled him on the bus on the way home from a Narcotics Anonymous meeting. That's me. That is Matt Lieb. 11 years clean. Congratulations. And what do I have to show for it? Live streaming. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm making a cocktail every night. Mm, it's so good. Yeah, I watch her drink and I just look and I say, this is my life now. Watching someone it's else. It's a good fun. life. It's a good <laughs> life. Don't you dare touch it. We have such a good show, you guys. Linda Sarsour is here. Uh, activist, strategist, thinker, uh, just uh, goddess. Mm. I don't know. What else? She's just amazing. Ultimate uh, badass. Ultimate badass. Mm-hmm. Pulling no punches. I'm so excited to get into it with her. Three-time WWE champion. Also that. Probably. That Probably. Would, that would be cool. <laughs> um, later in the show, we're also, we're also talking about um, Hitler. Hitler's. I was going to say Hitler's hell. Mm-hmm. I meant Trump's hell. But like, you it's know. Weird. That thing. was a Freudian slip. <laughs> That was, uh, wow, that is, it goes deep. It goes deep with you. In your mind, you just call him Hitler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to try to call him by his real name. Well, he is head wound Hitler to me. He is? Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's trying to be as as horrible. Um, But Trump's hell. You know, if he doesn't make it through this and we know where he'll go, what's in his hell? So stay tuned for that. Um, For everyone who's watching, please make sure to like and subscribe to this channel. Press the like button. Um, If you're listening in the future, willkommen. And also give this podcast five stars. You guys were so generous with those five-star ratings um, last week. And I know there's some people who left some stars on the table. So I'm just going to give you another opportunity to rate this podcast. There's always always stars on the table. You know, leave no star on the table table mm-hmm, i don't mm-hmm. i'm trying to make a war that's analogy that's the phrase that's leave no star unturned uh, <laughs> this is like some kind of spongebob police squad mm-hmm. leave no starfish unturned <laughs> all right okay mm-hmm. um and also we take tips this show is free uh as it should be but it's not easy to put together uh it's just me and and one and some produce maybe maybe more producers but at this point just me and becca and your tips have been so generous. TBR-Live, TBR-Live on Cash App. We donate a portion of your tips every week to a different organization. We've been real heavy on the voting turnout organizations this season. I wonder why. We're like, what, 20-some days before the election. So we're donating to Seed the Vote this time. Uh, they're getting volunteers out on the ground to uh, 
sanitarily knock doors and uh, make sure to get out the vote in places like Pennsylvania, Florida, Arizona, seed the vote, working with grassroots organizations. So tip us, we will donate a portion to them and it will help the show. And just a shout out to the people who've been so generous in and with their tips. Uh, anyone who's donated more than 20 bucks, not the 20 bucks, is it? Mwah, so appreciated. And I take anything you can give. But Bob Mason and Daniel Lee and Katrina Bleckley and Vadni Mina uh, and Will Dog Abers, thank you all. You guys have been so, 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 so sweet. I'm Will Dog you- is his name? Yeah, of Ozo Motley. Oh, Will Dog. Will Dog. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, yeah. Will Dog Abrams. Shout out to Ozo Motley. They went to my high school. Shout out to Hamilton High School in Los Angeles. Wow. Yeah. What happened? To me? Yeah. Well, I just didn't make it as a musician. Matt, what band were you in in high school? I was in a band called Makeshift. Thank you very much. Oh, no. Uh, I was referring to your other Makeshift. Oh, oh, you mean what? High school? I was in the mariachi band. Is that what you're trying? <laughs> Why is that funny? There's actually nothing funny about it. You know how there's one white guy in the mariachi band or like one white girl in the like mm-hmm. like the Mexican dance troupe or yeah. whatever? I was I was the That's one Matt. I was the one white girl. Uh, I played Vihuela. <laughs> uh if you don't know Vihuela, it's like a little guitar, it's five strings. Um and uh and it, it was it's so cute. It's because I didn't get into jazz band because I, I I'm not that good of a guitar player. Um, but you know what? I wouldn't trade it for the world. I learned a lot. Yeah, uh, and you were like, actually, the vihuela is really hard. I, well, no, it's very easy. But uh, oh, really? I mean, if you know how to play guitar, it's uh, it's pretty simple. But there's a lot of rhythm in it. Anyways, nice. you know, that's just me in high school. You know, now I'm like hella cool and stuff. So now I'm like sick. So shit, shit's, shit's good. All right. All right. Before we get too, too far down this, have I done all my announcements? Yes. Let's bring on our guest. Uh, she is an award-winning racial justice and civil rights ad- activist, a Brooklyn-born and raised Palestinian Muslim American, every Islamophobe's worst nightmare, and a mother of three. She's executive director of Empower Change, the first Muslim-led online organizing platform, co-founder of Until Freedom, and one of the co-chairs of the Women's March on Washington. She's the author of We Are Not Here to Be Bystanders, a memoir of love and resistance. Please welcome Linda Sarsour. Yeah. Woo. How you doing, Linda? I'm excited today. Sunday. <laughs> yeah. New episode it's, it's, of Power. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yay. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Last time I saw Matt, I went to one of his one of his shows in California. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was great. I I couldn't believe that you actually showed up because you're like, oh, I'm gonna be in town then. Uh, I guess I'll go. And I was like, well, I mean, you know, I have a lot of. <laughs> you know how many times my parents have said they're gonna come to one of my comedy shows? <laughs> like I'm they, a woman they never. Of my word, Matt. Uh, you really are. You actually showed up, and then uh, I was really jealous. Was that the one I got jealous? Yeah, when you were like, like, I think Linda Sarsour is here to see me, and I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. Every other. I mean, I wasn't. I was jealous of Matt, not yeah. of li- not like uh, I wanted you to be there to see me too. So well, I was like, she got to see you too. That's true. That's I true. did get to see you, but I did go for Matt. Let's be honest, folks. It's okay. <laughs> Well, you know, first and last time on Linda, that's cool. That very cool. Uh, no. <laughs> she's, she's I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, she was wonderful. But yeah, yeah, no, she did great. We, but it was, it was your show. You put it on, it and was fun. and also I got out of it um, a picture uh, with with you and me, Linda, and um, that picture has been republished multiple times. <laughs> on um, super hard right-wing Zionist websites. Uh, 
at, at where they where they chastise me for uh, taking a picture with you, and they've uh, they've you called me really cute in that picture. Just so I you know think so. I know <laughs> I was really you look extremely handsome. Thank you. Okay, now I am jealous. All right, all right. <laughs> I'm very. Handsome. I love though that that photo is making rounds. It makes the rounds. Yeah, it, it's crazy. It's like Matt, uh, the all-hated anti-Zionist Jew. Yeah, right. They they just like and they're like, this is just more proof that he's a self-hating Jew. And I was like, I did an entire comedy show. It was like uh, where, was actually, where I talked about. It was actually a really good time. It was very fun. But, ejaculating on a yeah, hotel bed. Half of my jokes are dick jokes, and people are just like, these anti. Zionists <laughs> talking about their dicks. Anyways, it was a great time. <laughs> I like this Vogue let's movement. No, let's hope no Muslim uncles are watching this right now. Oh, yeah. Sorry. They're not. <laughs> no, no. They, they may be on Facebook. Um, no thank wonder you you're getting off Facebook. I got a couple of super chats. Thank you guys for super chatting. Good day from Australia. I'm listening both live and from the future since it's already Monday afternoon here. Thank you, Oz Tree Creeper. Cool name. Kimberly McNaught loved your Trump has COVID song last week. Yay. Now we get to do the Stephen Miller has COVID song. Mm -hmm. What's that? Same same melody, right? Oh. Uh, yeah, it's hard to squeeze him in, Stephen though. Stephen Miller has COVID. Stephen Miller has COVID. Right? Isn't that what Stephen it was? Stephen Miller has COVID. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> it's it's a, a take on happy birthday. <laughs> It's a little catchy. It's yeah, catchy. Yeah. COVID is catchy. Catchy. Yeah. Oh, super yeah. catchy. Very catchy. The catchiest song of 2020. It truly is the summer song of 2020. COVID? COVID-19. It gets WAP, but like same same thing. Same difference. Um, <laughs> uh, Linda, we start this show in the same way every single week, which is asking our audience and you and uh, everybody, what are you bitching about now? So I will start it off. What am I bitching about this week? Yeah, I have a couple things, but I will just zero in on one thing, which is we should ban fracking. Okay, fuck that noise. It, it shouldn't be controversial to just proudly say ban fracking. It's not good. It is horribly invasive. It contaminates groundwater. It doesn't create jobs. It uh, is like destroying the creating <laughs> earthquakes mm -hmm. and then there's the like the actual process that then emits tons of methane into the atmosphere and it's like 40 percent more like uh trapping of greenhouse gases or whatever than like co2 it's the worst fracking is fucked we should just embrace the fact that we should all ban it now i think biden has said he would ban it on federal land but not private land. And this is the, Trump trying to make it the, his fun. He's trying to search anything to be like, is this the thing that's going to get me the presidency again? But, and so he's trying to make it a big deal. I just wish that Kamala and Biden could just be like, look, fracking's not good. It's not. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Simple. Yeah. You'd figure because it's like, you see them say things in like the debates, like, uh, the, you know, for the record and for the last time. Right. We will not ban fracking. And I'm thinking about, like, who's sitting there going, oh, that's good. Like, the devil? The devil is sitting there being like, oh, thank God, because I was going to vote for Trump, but now I'm going to vote for Biden. The devil like, hates fracking because you have to dig all the way down to hell in order to actually get <laughs> any fucking, sh any gas out. 
right? They're just pressure. They're pressure washing hell right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's earthquakes we, down there. We are stealing precious resources from the devil every time we frack. He's like, those are those are my shale. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. That's shale. Yeah, but I mean, it's just uh, it's like I'm not sure who this is for. Like when they say things like, I think it's like there's a voting base of people who depend on fracking. Yeah. But I'm like, is that a wide enough voter base? Is it a wider base than those who depend on like clean air and water? Well, they're the going climate? for Pennsylvania, which again, apparently like all of the fracking in Pennsylvania is on private land, which like mm. the government couldn't even ban it if they wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Anywho, that's my, that's my little, my short, quick bitch. Linda, what are you bitching about? You stole mine, Francesca. I was sitting in my, I was sitting watching that debate and I was like, looking around like who are you talking to and that whole <laughs> let me repeat this one more time yeah <laughs> biden will not ban fracking and i was like this is not good yeah it really yeah. was not a good talking point like i want to know who the consultant that's sitting in the biden campaign being like the most important job you have kamala is to make sure that you say we will not ban fracking forget about everything else nothing else is important yeah. Say that yeah. again and repeat it twice or three times if you have to. But that's what I need to get out of this debate. It was I was fighting with people after that. I was like, it was so unnecessary. It was yeah. unnecessary. Especially when your and plan is actually really transformative. Like that's what you're gonna lift up. Of all the things. And then also like we listen, I'm a, every day I am fighting with progressives and leftists and arguing and bitching with them about everything, about come on, folks, just I get it. I told you this four years ago. I probably told it to you eight years ago, but this time it's for real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, yo, the our planet is dying. Like, we're not going to even be around the next four years when you tell me to vote for the lesser of two evils again. Some yeah. Time. Yeah, it wasn't good. I was I was having too many conversations about that fracking situation. It wasn't good. Yeah, it's a bummer because, you know, it, it, like you said, there's there's actually a pretty transformative plan that they have and they felt... I don't know. It's this like knee jerk centrist reaction when someone accuses you of doing something good. Right. Where you just go, no, 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 no. I want to do bad things. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. I too <laughs> want to do bad things. It's like, why is that your knee jerk reaction? Shouldn't it be like, yeah, that's what we're going to do. And it's good. And the people and who it, don't like that small percentage of the population. Yeah. And it was like very like look into the camera to the American people. And it was like, oh, no, we yeah. will not ban fracking. I was like, oh, my God, please stop. Don't do that. And oh. I was also bitching about like and I, and I get it, you know, the, the kind of racial conversation about how, you know, black women have to go through this these loopholes and these, you know, whether it be in the corporate room or whether it be, you know, regular and going into a store with an interaction. But I really wanted Kamala to drag Mike Pence up and down that stage. I don't yeah. care who would have called her an angry black woman. You know, honestly, no. that was yeah. the moment. That was the moment to be as angry as you can be because yeah. you are sitting next to basically the second in line devil assistant. <laughs> Literally. <Yeah. laughs> assistant to the regional devil. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, Kamala, that that was the place for you to be like, let me tear you up right now in on national television and yeah. tear you up on behalf of all the little babies who you pulled out of their mother's arms, on behalf of all the Muslims who you banned their families from coming here, on behalf of these young people running into the streets about how you're killing their planet and how you don't believe in science and the 217,000 people who died of COVID's families. I mean, there was so much for yeah. you to drag him up and down that 
debate stage. And I just wish that she would have done a little more. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, but agreed, uh, just especially after what Trump did the week before, like, yeah. really, you can't, it doesn't matter. Like you, you could do anything on that stage and it still wouldn't have been as bad as what he did uh, oh, and absolutely. as horribly performed. Um, Matt Lieb, what are you bitching about? Um, today, I actually, uh, I'm going to bend the rules a little bit. I have a special reverse Uno bitch, Ooh. which basically I have a shout out. It's reverse Uno? Yeah. Well, you know, like are you the referring the card. Yeah. You know, card when game? Uno, the reverse, oh, the yeah, reverse yeah, card. Yeah, yeah. All right. It's a very specific reference to Uno. <laughs> um, but I actually, uh, I have the opposite of a bitch. I, I'm going to celebrate something. And this is, this is crazy. But um, my dad, a lifelong libertarian, right? Lifelong libertarian, uh, like with like shades of neocon and like more increasingly like shades of, shades of MAGA, like shades, yeah, yeah, yeah. like he's, he's not a Trump supporter. He, he had a tinge of MAGA though. Right. Um, he would never support Trump mostly because he's like, he, he sees Trump as, you know, an idiot. Mm -hmm. And, and for some reason that seals the deal with my dad and not with other people, but still very, very conservative. My dad uh, somehow just, he just told me today that he is a, quote, social Democrat or Democratic Socialist or whatever you want to call it. What? He switched. I don't know what happened. I'm trying to put the pieces together. He's been stuck inside for, what, eight months now? And I've been watching it's like him. his chrysalis. Yeah. I, right, He's maybe. coming out as a socialist. <laughs> you watch enough YouTube videos. Maybe the algorithm led you here. I, that's the thing. I, I, the, I, I've been afraid for a while because I've been watching the algorithm like radicalize him. Like the recommended videos getting weirder and weirder. You yeah. know, like YouTube's algorithm is is heavily skewed towards like extremists. Like you'll start one video that's like climate change skepticism and then like 10 minutes later, you're going to look at like the, the Jews have a weather machine like type of video. <laughs> and you're like, how did you go from this to this in 10 minutes? You know, it's, right. it's very uh, radicalizing, but somewhere along the way, something in the algorithm broke and he started seeing, apparently started seeing videos of people d giving testimonials about like losing their health insurance and, uh, you know, uh, not being able to take care of their sick kids, people dying because you know, they went bankrupt from this. Yeah. He started telling me like he was driving uh, near the Penmar golf course uh, in Los Angeles and saw this like huge homeless encampment mm. and um, how he'd been reading more and more about the working poor living there. So it's not just, you know, uh, the, the kind of knee jerk reaction to uh, homeless people is like, oh, get a job. And the fact that they all have jobs right. and, and like, or like a big percentage of them do. And he just, yeah, he just, I don't know what changed, but something in his brain broke. And now he, after spending years, tell, you know, I grew up with libertarian phrases. He would tell me, he's like, Matt, what's the magic words? Free speech, free trade, free minds, free markets. <laughs> like this was, this is a thing he would tell me. Christ. And and he would always be like, you know, socialism doesn't work. He, he said this to me for years. Yeah. And now he's like, and you didn't believe him like uh, most young Republicans. Young Republicans basically are people who just never question what their parents told them. Yeah. And, and they're like, yeah, because dad is dad. Yeah. Well, because like dad rules. And so do I. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, dad is the no, boss. 
dad's, dad's the boss. boss. And and I, I dad would, bought me a Land Rover. I didn't question him or question those beliefs. I think early on, like when I was in high school, I wasn't political at all. So I was like, you know, whatever. Yeah, you were just like the vihuela. Yeah, right. Whatever, I was just playing my vihuela. Yeah, playing in my bad uh, high school band. But like, uh, yeah, no. Eventually, I started thinking for myself, and I, you know, uh, became more and more to the left. And I don't know what's taken him so long, but I'm just so grateful that something switched in him where he had like, I don't know, he's, ha he's had an epiphany. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe Joe Biden was right. You know, one day they'll just have an epiphany. <laughs> the Republicans will wake up and yeah. Not unless there's a whole lot of money in solar yeah. soon. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Matt Lieb's dad. Shout out to Daddy Lieb. Uh, I know you're not watching because you're busy watching other YouTube videos, but keep watching those. But that's great. Yay, man. Maylee Six, welcome to the light, Matt's dad. <laughs> Let's get into the week. This is the week where. Okay, running through this week real quick. Laugh if you got them. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't, that's what I say before every show. Please clap. Oh, please clap. Linda should have just come to see Matt. Um, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Gotta laugh. This was the week where patient zero broke out of Walter Reed Hospital and went back to the Petri dish known as the White House, uh, walking up the stairs and then waving to no one as part of a Putin-like propaganda video campaign um, that they were filming. Uh, people say the president's breathing was labored, but let's be honest, coronavirus or not, the guy is 75% filet of fish okay? Mm. He lives labored. Yeah. <laughs> his natural state is labored. Yeah, his, his natural state is the sound that you make when you get up from a, from a beanbag chair. You know, it's just, <laughs> ah! You know that... <laughs> That sound we all do now. Yeah. Uh, according to a new, new report, this is real. The president wanted to have a Superman T-shirt on underneath his suit that he would take off. I mean, like to reveal what? To reveal the Superman T-shirt. Yeah, I know. But just he knows Superman isn't wearing a T-shirt, right? Like, <laughs> <It's> not, <laughs> that's the, point is, the point is, like, you guys... How small is it? <laughs> like, how small? Come on, just how how small? Like, is it bigger than a baby carrot? All right. <laughs> it, all, right. all right, all right, all right. Um, let me just say, if the president is such an alpha male, why does he insist on acting like a virgin? It's um, a good point. It's a very, very good point. How much validation do you need? You got to wear a Superman Anyway, I'm so glad. I, I wish he had done that. Yeah. No, I, I wish I, I wish that had been the case because um, it would have made for a better campaign video, you know, like the propaganda video that yeah. they made. If uh, he just goes, he takes off his mask and he reveals his way too tight Superman shirt from that he got from like from hot topic and and just yeah the nation has <laughs> the nation just, just vomits they vomit we yeah. just yes all together yeah <laughs> that's uh, yes yeah yeah it would bring us all together for the first time yeah. in years yeah um the president if you're not following he says he's now not contagious he says he might be immune and yet we still don't know when he tested positive or if he's even tested negative. Mm -hmm. um, his approach to the coronavirus is like his approach to white supremacy. He will not confirm or deny it, but he's going to spread it to millions of others. Yeah. 
Nice. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, he's back on the campaign trail, y'all. He's back. He's already appeared in public, did a rally on the White House lawn, um, packed with maskless people who were, if you saw the photo, were dressed like a coronavirus. Oh, yeah. They yeah. all had red hats and blue shirts on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just, and they were... They were expecting like a couple thousand and they're only like 400 showed up. So they smushed them all together. You yeah, know, to yeah. get the, you could get the Rona all over. <laughs> um, and the, the, the rally was organized by Candace Owens, uh, mm. who has spearheaded the Blexit movement or the Black Exit movement, the worst misinterpretation of the legacy of Mark Marcus Garvey ever. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> somewhere Marcus Garvey's looking down and just going, it was back to Africa, not back to slavery, you dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you really... Level. Yeah, she other really... Level. You gotta You gotta hand it to uh, kind of like the the grifter class of uh of america because like the grifter class used to um be a hundred percent uh non-believing they didn't believe in anything they just want to sell you beliefs but now they're like yeah i'm willing to risk death like it's almost not a grift anymore now it really is just a cult just straight up yeah it's a death cult yeah this is this is we're all drinking the kool-aid now mm -hmm, mm -hmm. oh my god candace owens uh finally in this uh, in this event, a lot of media are saying that uh, the president violated the Hatch Act because he held a campaign event in the White House. Um, what which one's the Hatch Act? Where you can't use your office or like uh, official oh, grounds in order campaign. to have campaigns. Right, 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 right. Um, let me just say, look, constitutional nerds. All right. Nobody gives a fuck about the Hatch Act, okay? He's going to be violating a whole hell of a lot more than that when he tries to steal the election. Mm -hmm. Who cares about the Hatch Act? Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. What are you really talking about this? Everyone's like, oh, <laughs> the Hatch Act. You yeah. Know? yeah, I had to ask what it was. Yeah, yeah. nobody cares. Yeah. Who, it, like, if you, unless you have a way to enforce this act. Yeah, it's just, it's just one of many crimes that he's done. After a while, the crimes, they all blend together. And you just yeah. kind of, uh, you put it in the pile of the many crimes. The crimes. The crimes. That goes in the crime pile. Yeah. It's like sorting laundry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, there's been uh, plenty of things when the, that the American people were like, Mexicans are rapists, that's fine. The Muslims mm -hmm. are the terrorists, that's okay. But, oh, no, grabbing women's things, that's not okay. I mean, right, yeah. we're, our priorities aren't always right straight. You yeah. Know? So yeah. I was and like, they back, back. But the babies ripped from their mother's arms, you know, we could probably deal with that. But we can't deal with the Hatch Act. I mean, come on, folks. Like, it's too yeah. much. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it really is just like. You know, what was the moment for you that made you realize Trump was a terrible president? The Hatch Act. When he violated. Yeah. When they violated well, at first it was the emoluments clause. And, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I voted for him when, you know, he was doing all the calling people rapists while being a rapist himself, you know, saying the uh, blowing the anti-Semitic dog whistles, uh, being Islamophobic. But then oh, those emoluments, <laughs> emolument. those emoluments. The emoluments. Anyway, this yeah. this motherfucker is on. I don't know what he's on. He is on all kinds of drugs. Mm. Uh, we'll talk about him later on in the show, but uh, I have to just get. That's just the news of this week. Who knows how all this progresses, how much more he's going to be spreading this to all of his followers. Um, moving on, this was the week where 
the Trump administration decided to end negotiations on another COVID stimulus package. But then stocks plummeted and Trump was like, wait, actually, I do want paycheck protection and a new stimulus check. And Republicans are like, no, what? What? And some of them want to negotiate with the Democrats. Others know they're going to lose favor with their super Republican base. Uh, I think I know how it's going to all go down. Uh, they're going to be like, look, we've got this great program. You send your mail-in ballot to us with Donald J. Trump checked for president, and we send you a $1,200 check and a gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's how it's going to go. Like, is that what they're waiting for? What the fuck? Yeah. Linda, what do you think about this deal? You think Dems should even do a deal? Do you think it's, I don't think it's going to happen. Listen, we need something. I mean, the people are struggling. I'm in Louisville, Kentucky, and the poverty, the 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 unemployment, this $167, one of your viewers just told you, it's not enough. So, so no. the yeah. Republicans and the Democrats need to get together and give the American people some money because they need that money and they need it quick, real yeah. quick. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's actually one of the things, to get back to my dad, uh, that was one of the things he named that also changed him where, where he realized the effectiveness of direct federal intervention into people's lives via giving them a check yeah uh the effectiveness that that has on not just the economy but also on the on the fact that like you are helping people who need this assistance like government has a role my dad used to be like government has no role government can only do bad things the rona has been really putting libertarians to the test yeah they're like absolutely. just don't have any government at all and everything's just gonna be coming up roses yeah it's like you mean pushing up daisies yeah yeah exactly <laughs> like that because but it's like is this the utopia you dreamed of and libertarians will always be like no but the conditions aren't right you gotta have the <laughs> and they're like, oh really maybe it's because it's all in your head and it's mm -hmm. not actually reality and how things work but yeah. um yeah, man. I mean, who would have thought this is the thing with like, we don't we can go into this for a while. But I just, you know, looking in California, where Prop 22, Uber and Lyft are trying to get out of paying, you know, or trying to get out of making their employees, you know, actually, or their contractors actual employees yeah. is like, you know, and then the lack of union power right now, you realize like, nothing will prepare you for something like a major pandemic and an economic freefall, yeah. which like now we've had what, 2008, now this, like, we're going to see more in our lifetimes. So what is it going to be? Are we going to actually have, you know, what's our social safety net? Like, this is what happens when you just let business run your entire government for years and years and years and years. Um, and unions aren't necessarily, like, it's great that they give health care, but, like, that's not going to protect you because people are out of work. So if you're out of work, you're out of the union, mm -hmm. you know? So it's... Uh, anyway, yeah. real president is Jeff Bezos. That's what people don't 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 understand. Right don't. Jeff Bezos is the president of the world. Yeah, and if we yeah. get our act together, he is going to be everybody's boss right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He is the most powerful man in the world, not Donald Trump. Jeff Bezos, hundred percent. And yeah. it's weird because I've had ugly bosses before. <laughs> <laughs> but I have never seen a creature like Jeff Bezos. That is a that's a hard dude to look at. Look, he can never buy himself hair. And I know that's a small <laughs> win. It's very small. Oh. But that's the only saving grace I have. You guys buy on Etsy. Just mm -hmm. do it. I've been doing it. Or or if you're gonna buy something on Amazon, um, just claim it was stolen. <laughs> and then 
and then they'll just send they'll give you a refund not that that's something i've ever done i've never done that never you just done. did that I, it's fine <laughs> you lied to daddy bezos i'm telling why are you snitching <laughs> i'm gonna tell can you snitch on people on amazon oh i'm sure there's gonna be I'm sure there is a report button somewhere yeah. <laughs> There's always a snitch. There's a snitch button everywhere now. That's just how it is. Oh, my God. All right. Last, perhaps the last story. Uh, This was the week where the FBI charged 13 men with terrorism, gun offenses, and federal conspiracy in a foil plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, presumably over her COVID stay-at-home orders. The men were part of a militia group that called itself the Wolverine Watchmen because Batman Jedi was already taken by a local T-ball team. Nice. They wanted it. They get it. Um, uh, I just have to say, if straight white men were as methodic about giving women orgasms as they were about trying to kidnap them, they could have avoided jail time altogether. All right, Linda, I'm sorry. I'm going. I mean, I mean, when I saw that story, I'm not going to lie to you. First of all, I was triggered by it. But I was thinking to myself, what if those were six Muslim guys? Let's just. Oh, I know. And six Muslim guys were plotting to kidnap the governor and they found guns and they were in the basements think, learning how to make bombs. And they were, I mean, I just, I don't even know what would have happened in this country. This would have been a whole complete shutdown of the entire nation. It would, till today, we would still be 24 hour news coverage about these men, where they came from, who they know, what they went to. And I'm just like, I just sit back and I'm just looking and I'm just like, Lord have mercy. The hypocrisy is, but it was really horrible. But, you know, and and to that point, imagine what someone like Trump would have done or the right wing would have done had those men been anything other than white guys. Right. Like Mm -hmm. and imagine if they like the everything that they would say about them. You're exactly right. How they would capitalize on this no matter what and 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 fear monger around it. But like meanwhile, the Democrats like. I'm not seeing much from them about capitalizing on this clearly dangerous moment to point out how this president has made, uh, has radicalized white men in this country to take up arms. Like, right. Like this is the kind of shit we need to be saying. Even the FBI is like, you know, you're in bad shape when like the FBI is taking stronger stances than like your opposition party. You know, you know, the FBI is like, Democrats are like, let's pull the negative ads. I'm like, what? are you doing? I'm just yeah. telling you right now, listen, once this election's over, we need a whole like campaign or some new firm that comes out and says negative ads campaign only. Like somebody just got to be the, the leader of the negative ads. Like that's yeah. how you win people. Like, listen, I'm not going to yeah. lie to you. I watch TV and the negative ads come up and I'm like, that's that right there is pretty good. <laughs> Even yeah. if it's against the candidate that I like, I'm just, woo, that's good. That <laughs> sometimes I get, you know, and the ne- yeah. Democrats, the Democrats just have absolutely no strategy. And then every time we still got to be like, vote for the Democrats, but the Democrats have no strategy. And I'm telling yeah, that. They, they just I, believe I it's not going to work. Yeah. They, they believe that um, they, you know, that we're better than the other side. So we should act better than the other side and pull negative ads and it's just like they would never do that for you. They Maybe would that's never when you do have the, the Lincoln Project stepping in, and like it's hard to root for the Lincoln Project, but they <laughs> are doing a good job. You're like, I fucking hate all these people, and I know if Biden wins, they're going to try and capitalize the Democratic Party. I don't know what you yeah. think about that, Linda. But listen, 
I'm do- dealing with one problem at a time, Francesca. One time, <laughs> one one problem at a time. First this one guy, then we first do with the out the project. First, let's take out the fascist, and then we can go on after that. Just, just got to get this fascist out of office. Yeah, Honestly. yeah. That's called that's called strategy. That's an actual strategy, and I appreciate that. Yes, absolutely. And on that note, let's let's just zip past the fly that was on. Mike Pence's head. We all know it's hilarious. I would. I just want to say that fly came from central casting. That was like the fly in all of the movies that have ever had flies in them. It was a buff fly. Did you notice how big it, it was? It was super. It was yeah. like a yoked fly. Yeah, super <laughs> yoked. Do you even lift? Yeah. Bruh? <laughs> that, that kind of fly. The fly was like yeah. the fly in Beetlejuice. Yeah. Uh, the what, fly from the fly. The fly from the fly. Anyway, but let's. We already talked about the debate. Uh, the debate a little bit. Kamala crushed it. She could have been better. Whatevs. But Linda, folks want to know. We're getting into it. People are like, why isn't Linda talking more? First of all, this whole show is dedicated to Linda because, like we said, goddess, badass. We're getting into it right now. This is the stitch. Let's go for it. Linda, you uh, were a supporter of Bernie Sanders in the primary, as were was I, as was Matt Lieb, um, and sadly didn't pull through, didn't make it, and now we're left with you know putting all the eggs in this Biden basket and asking people to vote for him. How has that process been for you, um, and how are you feeling about this election right now? It's a lot of questions. It's not that we didn't make it; we got robbed again. Let's just be clear about what happened. Yep. Um, I'm still sad. I'm not going to lie to you. I've had moments of depression about the whole situation. And then every time we, I find myself in the moment and people think that this is some cliche thing that Bernie bros do, but it's really the truth. Bernie would have won. Bernie would have won. Bernie would have won. And that's kind of where I'm still at right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I haven't been talking too much because I feel like the, the concerns that people have and the valid concerns they have around the Biden uh Harris ticket are true and I can't argue them away. And what I've been telling people is if, if for, any, for no other reason, but for your friends who are on the front lines, I'm just asking for a better opponent. Like I can't fight fascists. Like I'm not, I wasn't made for that. Like I'm not here. To, <laughs> there's no way there was, there's no way I, I could do. There's nothing that we have done over the last four years that has pushed Donald Trump or his administration even a step forward towards something that we would be helpful to the marginalized people that we organize with and for. It just doesn't work. I may be able to delay some things. I may be able to stop some things, but I can't push anybody forward. So all I'm asking for is give me a better opponent. And right now, the only other choice we have is give me Biden and Harris and be ready to fight under the Biden-Harris administration more than you did under the Trump administration. So what I'm worried about, and I think people are worried about, is that we defeat the fascists and then all the white women with the pussy hats are going to go back home because they're going to be like, my job is done here. And Uh what we hope happens is that you all stay in the streets with the black and the brown and the indigenous and the undocumented, the LGBTQ people and all the folks that have and were on the streets way before there ever was a Donald Trump. So I see both arguments. So I'm just saying to people, I'm not with the Biden-Harris campaign. As you all know, the Biden campaign had to come out and tell their friends, you know, all the right wing Zionists. <laughs> yeah. We ain't, we ain't with this lady. She got no affiliation to the campaign, which, by the way, I could have paid them to say that because the people <laughs> were so ridiculous. No, listen, people were trolling me online, and I don't mean the white supremacists and the right wing Zionists. Leftists were like, oh, Linda must have got bought. Linda must have got this. She may be. And uh-huh. then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, 
the Biden campaign, a white man in the Biden campaign says, we're not affiliated with this lady. She ain't with the campaign. She don't work for us. And I said, thank you, Jesus Christ. <laughs> thank you. On the, and I took, I literally took the guy's quote. His name is Andrew Bates and works at the campaign. I literally, I was texting that to everybody. I, was <laughs> I said, see, I told you I didn't sell out. Anyway. So, but how do you, how do you grapple with that, that, fact, the fact that you're here doing this work, talking to progressives and leftists saying we have to vote for Biden to get the fascist out. And and simultaneously, you're basically being attacked by the Biden campaign. How do you hold those two things? Oh, I mean, it's it's a perfect thing to hold for me because it gives me all the ammunition that I need to fight this administration once they get into office. Like I am mm -hmm. going to be Biden's worst nightmare. And I'm ready for that. And it's going to be the kind of fight that I know we're going to see some progress. A lot of people look at the Obama administration and I say to people, anything that you applauded Obama for, for the some things that he did, like, for example, DACA, that wasn't because Obama woke up one morning and had an mm -hmm. epiphany and it was like, let me help the undocumented kids. Those kids were chaining themselves to the White House. They were getting arrested. They were doing major civil disobedience, major mobilization. They were one of the most active movements under the Obama administration. Yes. And they got mm -hmm some of the things that they needed. Obviously they didn't get all that they were fighting for, but there was some progress there. So I'm ready to fight. And that's, I, I'm built to fight neoliberals. Like I'm not here to, I wasn't born <laughs> to fight fascist folks. I was, I was here to fight the neoliberals. And this is the perfect administration for that. And to be honest, like the people on the street are tired. People are exhausted. I'm exhausted. I feel like the last four years have been like 40 years. So just give us yeah. a little space to build some movement, build some power. And then we're going to come back four years later swinging and it ain't going to be neoliberals in four years. Mm. I love it. I, I you know, I, I take my cues from someone like you because you've been on the front lines. You've been doing this hard work, whether it's now in Louisville uh, around Breonna Taylor or from from the Women's March from the very beginning. Right. And I think it is important before we start playing purity politics to really think about folks who are on the front lines and what they're going through. I will say that there's been a big discussion around, well, BLM started under Obama and and all the, you know, and, and the ergo Obama was terrible. And it's like, no, 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 you don't understand social movements. BLM starts under Obama because there was space. First of all, there was net need and there was egregious things being done, you know, innocent black people mm. being killed by police. But there was space to be actually able to mobilize and march rather than boot on neck, mm -hmm. you know, ridiculousness, which is, I mean, we've seen BLM pop off now, but I don't think we would have seen it had there not been the foundation set up for all these years in advance. Um, oh, absolutely. And there have been movements there. There there, ha there has never been really any like end to a movement. I mean, movements are ever evolving, like women's mm -hmm. movement. I mean, we're fighting right now around issues related to women's rights and women's reproductive rights that women were fighting about 50 years ago. I mean, racial justice issues, economic justice issues, issues around the climate, LGBTQ issues, religious freedom issues, like the movements never end. There's just different iterations of them. And so what I say to people all the time is like, look, I'm 40 years old. I feel like I'm 80 and I just need folks to give me a break. Just give me a break. Give me Biden Harris. I promise I'm a fight, but at least I'm going to know that I can move a little bit. I could move the needle. Give me an opportunity. Let's win back the Senate also, because the other thing here Put Biden and Trump to the side. I got Senate races. I need Sarah Gideon yes. in Maine. Mm -hmm. I got I got Jamie Harrison in South yes. Carolina. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I got Raphael Warnock in Georgia. Like there are actually good Senate candidates right now that can help us win back the Senate. And then I'm going to promise you, if you help me win back the Senate, I will get Medicare for all. And then I will 
triple dare Biden to get a Medicare for all bill on that desk and for him not to sign it because all hell will break loose in America if Biden gets a Medicare for all bill on his desk. So the people just got to see there's a game. We got we know how to play chess, too. Um, yeah. The Republicans have been playing chess for a long time. The question is, are we ready to play some chess? And the Democrats have not played chess. They took over literally a quarter of the federal judges on the benches have all been appointed by Donald Trump. Yeah. They got the they got the freaking Supreme Court. And you know what? They're sitting back. They're all like, we got what we wanted. They don't even care about the presidency right now. They're like, take it. Because we yeah, already yeah, got yeah. a lot of what we wanted. And they've been working on this for 30 years. What have we been working on for 30 years is what I want to know. Somebody tell me mm. one of the big milestones that the Democrats were waiting to have. I haven't mm. seen it in my lifetime. And I'm hoping that that changes really soon. It's just hard because when you're the party of life, which I believe Democrats generally are like, hey, we believe in life living doesn't mean we're pro-life. We believe in choice. But like it's it's we have a lot of issues, whereas like the party of death is very simple. It's like money, 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 death, death, death. Simple. <laughs> you know, like, like they're, they're very tunnel vision about it. Yeah. We've got a whole lot of issues to, to, to work out. Um, but I, I do think, you know, Biden's doing more events. And it never he never ceases to disappoint me in his performance. I'm just going to be real. Like, it's so like it's so hard. It's so hard to watch him. Um, I don't think it's hard because he's God. I'm not as offended politically by him, but I'm like just one answer. Just stick one landing. Just do something that's a little bit inspiring. And I don't get that. But once again, like the the alternative is not a real alternative for me. Um, I mean, it's the position that we were put in. And, it's just the position we were and, put in. And uh, what annoys me is also um, the fact that there's so many neoliberals who don't like um, criticism of Biden while you're simultaneously supporting him. Like, I say out loud, I'm going to vote for Biden. And then I criticize him. And there's a lot of people who are just like, wait until after the election right. to criticize him. And I just feel like I, I physically can't do that. It's like it's too much of an elephant in the room. Just as like comedians, you can't not address the fact that Biden uh, is it's like an old Woody doll. Where yeah. you like pull the pull string and he's <laughs> like, there's a snake in my boot yeah, or, you yeah. know, dog face pony soldier. Yeah. I don't and feel a need to criticize him right now. And but it's, yeah. not, it's not good political strategy either for when yes. I, and I tell and I tell this to folks who are neoliberals and people who work on the campaign or people, friends of mine who are kind of in that political world that I'm not in, like the more democratic establishment. Folks right. or half, half, I say yeah. to them, please don't tell me not, not to do that, because in fact, what I'm doing is helping you. Because the young people in the street that I organize with, they don't want to hear none of that nonsense about how Biden is the best choice and Biden's amazing and Biden's. No, the young people in the street want me to validate their concerns. They want me to talk to them about the 1994 crime bill. They want me to talk about what are the differences in the positions that Joe Biden has right now. They want me to talk about Kamala's record and how I believe she can be better and how she is really great on many issues like immigration, for example. She has conceded on some of the things around criminal justice reform that people criticized her for. You know, you already know their positions on Israel-Palestine. I mean, they might as well be Republicans on that particular issue. Uh -huh. so, uh -huh. so, so I'm not going to lie. And that's the thing that people don't understand. For you to win, people like to hear the truth. And, yes. and I'm talking about progressives and, and, and people who are, quote, 
kind of, I'm like a small D Democrat. Like, you know, I just, you know, I think being part of an able to vote in a primary has been important, which is why I've been a Democrat. But at the end of the day, you got to tell people the truth. And I've been able to do more work that I feel like more work being honest and saying, I'm going to vote for Joe Biden. And then at the same time, criticizing versus trying to lie and be like, everything's so wonderful. Smells like daisies out here. Let's yeah. all go together. Kumbaya to the polls. It's just, it doesn't work. And if that's yeah. what the campaign thinks is their strategy, I'm telling you right now, it doesn't work. Like Ram yeah. in Louisville, Kentucky, Amy McGrath is out here, as you know, running against Mitch McConnell, who's another devil. There's a lot of devils out here. I'm t- I yeah. don't know. I thought, I thought there was one devil, but America has taught me that the <laughs> devil is many. Um, uh-huh. and the pe- and the people out here are like, look, I ain't with it. Like they're not with Amy McGrath. And I'm just going to be honest with you about that. And I actually had to go out publicly and say, if you got a couple of extra dollars in your pocket, give it to Raphael Warnock, give it to Sarah Gideon, give it to, you know, Jamie Harrison. Cause it's not going to work over here. I'm on the ground. The black people and black young people are not with Amy McGrath in mm. the state of Kentucky. And it's because people want you to say Amy McGrath and rah, 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 Amy McGrath. We've, I've lived here for two and a half months straight. I never seen the lady. I've been, we've done major demonstrations. We have, we had big community festivals with food trucks. So that's not that controversial. If you don't want to come to a march, come to the darn barbecue that the community has put together. You know, we've had concerts out here, social justice concerts. We went knocking on doors in the West end of Louisville, which is the highest concentration of black people in Kentucky, nowhere to be found. And so it's not going to work. And she said, Oh, I'm I'm following the Biden um, campaign because we're not going to do door knocking. This is if you're not knocking on the people's doors, especially what they call low propensity voters or people that are not, you know, consistent voters. It doesn't work if you're not engaging the people, folks. And so I don't know. I'm 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 hopeful that we're that the Joe Biden will win this election. But if we don't win with a mandate, like if you don't crush Donald Trump at the polls, it's not going to work because he's not sure, going to yeah. leave office. We got to crush I've got two tough questions. I want to get back to Louisville and what's going on and all the work that you've been doing with uh, around the Breonna Taylor case. But I do want to ask to that end about trying to crush Joe, I mean, trying to crush uh, Donald Trump. You know, DSA is a huge organization. I believe you're a part of it, right? And we're talking like 60,000 members, uh, incredibly politicized. More than than 60,000. Yeah, more than 60,000 members. Uh, uh, one of the fastest growing groups around the country of people who were inspired by Bernie Sanders' first run, AOC, the squad winning, um, and have done some incredible work locally on like local elections as they should, and yet did not have a plan um, if and when Bernie Sanders didn't win the nomination for uh, the Democratic Party, just endorsed Bernie, and then didn't sort of have like a if that then X, Y, and Z. What are your thoughts on that? Was it a missed opportunity? Um, do you think Bernie didn't do enough of a job in terms of kind of holding the hands of some of these DSA members to be like, look, you're going to have to come on and vote for Biden and even mobilize for him? I'm very curious about that. I mean, listen, I was at the convention um, last year. Uh, the I DSA remember. Convention. I was there and I had a little talking to to my DSA family. It's it was amazing. It's one of my favorite videos to watch. <laughs> it was like it was like it was like it was like a, like a mom lecture to like the Democratic <laughs> Socialists. But I also listening to them go back and forth. I kind of understood what they were saying. Um, and they and they were very committed to this idea of obviously doing everything that they could for Bernie to be the nominee. Um, you know, that it was a tall order. I mean, we were going up against the, the Democratic establishment. We were going up, up against the media, against so many different 
factions and they were really like inspirational. Like they really believed like this is the time Bernie's got this. And I, I'm yeah. not gonna lie, I was with them. I believed it too. And I think the argument that was made by some people that I that I really reflected on, because I was like that. I was like, you gotta be with marginalized people. It ain't about your self-righteous politics. Like put your egos to the side or whatever. But the argument that they were making or some people were making was, yes, of course, if Bernie Sanders doesn't win the nomination, we will do what we can and everything that we can to defeat fascism in America. But in order for them to be a principled, consistent organization moving forward, they didn't feel like they can concede to a type of candidate like Joe Biden to say that we endorse Joe Biden because they really don't align with Joe Biden on pretty much zero. I mean, they don't align with him on anything. So I kind of understood the argument that they were making. I do believe wholeheartedly in DSA members. And because I, I'm in DSA New York, of course, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a dues paying member. Like I'm a very loyal member to the DSA, not to say that they're a perfect organization. They have a lot of work to do. And I think they, they grew bigger and they're, they're kind of like building the plane while they're flying it. But I also appreciated this idea that they're really the only organization that's trying to have some consistent politics. They're trying to say, here are our principles and values, and we're not going to venture away from that. And so I, I, they're in a hard situation. And so I, yeah. I think that they have a lot of work to do, but I also understand. But I get, again, like in, the, in, New, in local politics, they've helped us beat the independent, independent Democratic Coalition in New York. They have put some of the best Democratic Socialists in office across the country. And so yes. maybe it seems like they're not helping or doing what they can on the national level, but they absolutely are doing it on the local level. And local politics for me are just as important as national politics. For sure. We see the ways that that funnels up or down to the national and everything. Um, yeah, I think it, it it was it's a hard it's a hard call, you know, and I, I guess the way I look at it is looking at the way Sunrise has been able to pivot and really pressure the Biden campaign. We had Varshini uh, on the other day and and I, I just it's almost out of utmost respect for DSA that I'm like, man, you can mobilize, man, you can mobilize. And and in this way of while Biden would never say the words democratic socialists, we absolutely need your boots on the ground kind of thing to, you know, around this. Now, it is not an easy pill to swallow to make a sell for Biden in person or on the phone. Like that is some hard shit to do. Even even texting is hard. You just you just focus on Trump. You mostly just talk about Trump someone, and he does the selling for you. Someone uh, I was text banking and someone asked why. And I was like, block and i just <laughs> and i just ran away no it is it's difficult though to make the pitch you know you don't pitch for biden necessarily as much as you pitch against trump as i think we're doing you know we're talking now um and i agree with you but i think once i'm on the phone with you telling you to vote for some amazing congressional candidate right now i don't i believe in the american people enough to know that if i'm going to convince you to vote for a good congressional candidate that when you get your ballot you're not just going to go skip the whole situation to go find that one little circle. I yeah. know, and I know this from organizing in immigrant communities in particular, once I convince you to vote for a candidate, you're going to vote down the ballot. And I think that's part of the conversation that DSA does do about this idea right. about how the bottom of the ballot is actually sometimes for me and them more important than the top of the ticket. So right. on the, the, the chapter level, like in New York and in a lot of the chapters where we have strong DSA chapters down in Texas and a lot of places, they are working they, you know, what's offs for some of these candidates. And I do believe yes. that Biden will benefit from the trickle up because that is how politics works. You work, we, you know, listen, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm not really engaged in national politics right now. I'm telling you defeat the fascists, but I got to win that Senate back because it doesn't actually matter as you mm -hmm. have seen. 
if I have Biden in, in the White House and then I have a Senate that's going to block every piece of progressive legislation that I'm going to fight for. So yep. it's almost like Biden becomes a lame duck holding the, the seat just so that there isn't any more outrageous executive orders. But that's really all he can do if he has Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham running the show in the Senate. And so I want yeah. people to know, like, look, you don't got to like Biden, but you got to go to the polls, folks. Like you got to get, get your ballot and vote and to the up and down the ballot and do what you got to do. And just and, you know, we're bringing Brianna Taylor's mother to New York, actually, on October 17th. And what Brianna's, yeah, and Brianna Taylor's mother is really in a position. She's a young woman, actually, 43 years old. And she's like, I got to find a role. And one of the things that she's saying is like, look, you know, while there have been police killings way before Donald Trump, this is a historic, you know, a historical thing that has happened in this country. She's like, look, if I want to pass bans on no knock warrants federally, if you want to work on issues mm. of criminal justice, you know, decertification of police. If you want to do these things, these are things that never will happen under Republican run Senate nor Republican run administrations. And she's saying vote for my daughter because my daughter can't vote, you know, vote for the George Floyds and the Ahmad Arbery's and all these folks that have lost their chance to participate in, in a democracy. So I tell people right now, like when I go to the polls and I'm voting for Joe Biden, let me tell you, I'm not voting on behalf of myself. I'm really not because that's because if I was going to go based on my own values and principles, I absolutely would not vote for Joe Biden. But I am going to do that because yeah. it's more that it's more it's bigger than me. It's bigger than us. And I hope that that's what people get out of this. I'm, and and Biden hopefully will only be better based on how much work we do for our movement and how much we work together and build power in the next four yeah. years. Yeah. I want to ask you about your work down there in, in Louisville and how how have you seen Kentucky and Louisville change uh, with the Breonna Taylor case, with the mass mobilization? And now with the news that broke, I think, last week that the attorney general didn't even ask for the grand jury to even consider homicide charges against the police officers who killed Breonna Taylor. So, yeah, what's that been like? I'm a born and raised Brooklynite, so I'm not going to lie. I had culture shock coming to Louisville, Kentucky. Talk about guns. Everybody has a gun in Kentucky. And I don't mean the white su supremacist. Everybody. You go to you go to Target to get some groceries and everybody got two, three guns. I don't know. Everybody does. So there's a lot of, gu there's a lot of guns here in Louisville, Kentucky. But the movement here is beautiful. It's a movement, as you've seen in many parts of the country, lots of these folks in these streets, lots of young black kids out here who this is the first time really being part of a movement protesting. They've been out on the streets for 140 days. And Breonna Taylor, for me, is a case that I've been I worked on many police uh, uh, brutality cases across the country. But this one, I was like, I'm moving here because I got to be part and be close to this movement. Listen, folks, I don't care what happens in this election. We cannot live in a country where a black woman could be murdered in her house. This was not. She, you can't, there's no way to around to justify it. There was no argument yeah. between a cop. We, no one had this and all the other little stories that people try to do in the comments and Facebook. This is a woman who was an EMT sleeping in her apartment, who, who was never a, uh, a, a subject of any investigation. She was never a co-defendant of any investigation, has zero criminal record. And she was murdered after 1240 AM. If you got questions to ask Brianna Taylor, you should have found her at work have made a little appointment with her. There was many other ways to get whatever information you were looking for, but you murdered a woman in her home. And that right. for me was a, a line that was drawn. So as you all know, attorney generals are elected office. They are elected positions. And Daniel Cameron is not an appointed attorney general. So if you want to be mad at attorney general Cameron, you absolutely should. 
But then we also have an attorney general like Keith Ellison, who not only is in Minnesota, he came out as an attorney general and not only did what there are already charges against the cops that murdered George Floyd, the attorney general there came up and said, I'm going to upgrade those charges because that was just not enough for me. Here we have an attorney general that walked into a grand jury and was like, hey, can you just indict this cop with some stupid charges for shooting into the house of some white people? Uh, and, 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 you know, denting a wall. That's what, literally what the cop got indicted for. He yeah. for wanton endangerment of shooting into an apartment, a wall. He didn't hurt nobody. And, my, and let's just be clear. He also, they also shot into another apartment upstairs. But guess what? That was a black family. So you don't get indicted for that wanton endangerment just for the white family. And this wow. is all. I mean, the shit is <laughs> deep. And so, yeah. so, so, so the reason why we're connecting this to the election is prosecutors are elected. District attorneys are elected. Attorney generals are elected. So if we want to do, we want to create criminal justice reform, we got to get the Chesa Boudins like of San Francisco yes. in office across this country. We need the Keith Ellison attorney generals across this country. So yes, yes, this election ain't that exciting, but there are local races this year and next year that we got to focus on. And that's why I think the electoral process still for me is a tool in our toolbox, even around these issues. And Breonna Taylor right now, she will get justice because the case is unraveling. Everyone's like, trust the white, you know, white folks online, the you know, racists were like, you got to trust the grand jury process. This is, you know, what I said, even the grand juror was like, this is a sham. Like the actual lawyered up, lawyered up to be able to say, you need to release the transcript. Yeah. The the transcripts (laughs) get released and it's all half information, omission. There's a lot of things that are missing. And, and the grand juror not only wanted the release of the transcript, the the grand juror is like, I want to be able to speak publicly. Because as a grand juror, you actually sign papers saying you are not allowed to comment, be in the media. And this grand juror probably is all bottled up with the sham that they had to watch. There's actually multiple grand jurors now that are that want to go through this process. And so for me, I'm here saying to myself, justice will be served. This is all unraveling. You know, and I left my family in New York. My family thinks I'm crazy. They're like, okay. Is that where you're going, Louisville, Kentucky? Oh, mom. <laughs> um, yeah, my kids are like, we love you, mom. We get it. But but I, but I honestly, since I've been out here, I think um, I rem- I tell people, like, what we're doing right now isn't actually something new. This is how Dr. Martin Luther King and the Civil Rights Movement folks go- coming in. In fact, Dr. Martin Luther King's brother used to be a pastor here. And so oh, wow. he had a lot of trips where he came and organized out here. He went to Chicago, as you know, and moved out to organize over there. So anyway, we met some of the best organizers in America, in Louisville, Kentucky. We're actually bringing them, bringing 30 of them out to New York on October 17 uh, with Brianna's mother, uh, with Eleanor Bumper's family. I don't know, many of you might not remember Eleanor Bumper's, but she was a woman who was murdered in the same way that Brianna was murdered in 1984. So oh, we wow. have her family to connect the dots. Like this is not some, Brianna Taylor is part of a long history. Yeah. And uh, and we're going to be doing a big state of emergency go TV rally in New York. Um, and we're bringing Louisville out. So if you're a New Yorker, we got to show Louisville how it's done. So we hope yeah. to see you in the street outside of Trump International Hotel, uh, Central Park, because <laughs> you know, got to have that backdrop. Uh-huh. Yes, of course, always. What What's your sense in terms of like, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, one of my mentors is Max Elbaum, and he always, you know, talks about the importance of the South and the importance of, you know, the the legacies of the civil rights movement. What have you learned in your time out there? And what do you think about the future of like the progressive movement being born from the South, you know, and like coming out of there and, and I don't know, like, are are you, you get weird looks, you know, from, from like being like a Bernie supporter or being like, uh, you know, or, or being Muslim, like what's like, what's that like? Do you feel safe? Do you feel safe? Yeah. 
Well, when I first got here, I was like, damn, there's a lot of guns out here. And then yeah. all of a sudden, I, little by little, I like eased into it, you know, because, you know, the yeah. black people have guns, the, the white progressives have guns, everybody got guns. You know, I live in a part of Louisville, Kentucky called the Highlands, which is like a progressive white neighborhood. Everybody has Black Lives Matter, you know, the pride flags outside. So I personally feel pretty safe. I go to the little yeah. coffee shops and all these, you know, little hipster kind of looking folks out there. So I feel pretty good. <laughs> good, good. Uh, but overall, Enough Matt looking motherfuckers out there. You know, I'll keep you safe. Everybody, everybody looks like Matt Lieb there. But, oh. but I don't venture out of this kind of area, obviously, because you don't want to go to the rest of Kentucky. But yes, I learned a lot. This is the city of Muhammad Ali. This is the city of Maddie Jones. I mean, it has a long legacy of civil rights. I mean, the young people out here in these streets are amazing. They are consistent. They've been on, they've, they literally have occupied a square that's a public property here. It's a city property and they call it Brianna Square. There's a memorial there. But what I will say also, there's a lot of poverty here. There's a lot of other social injustice. There's a food apartheid here. Like in the West End of Louisville, there's one supermarket, Kroger's, that's it. No other way to get fresh food. Um, at wow. all for black families. And when the protests were happening, Kroger's boarded up because they didn't want to get looted. And so that oh, means man. that there was no grocery store for a couple of days because that's what Kroger's did. So anyway, my point is, is that the South is not a place to, don't ever underestimate the South, the, the, the progressiveness of the South. I think the people, the progressive uh, vote here has been suppressed, not just because there's voter suppression, but really because they haven't been engaged. We've already mm -hmm. put a stamp on them. These are the red states. You know, they're not swing states. Right, and also, right. They're not nobody, getting the love that Pennsylvania is getting. I'm just like, yeah, we would, no, I, as, yeah. no engagement yeah. at all. I mean, in the West yeah. End of Louisville, people like nobody ever knocked on my door, ever, ever. Yeah. No, yeah. no political campaign like presidential has ever knocked on the door of the people of the West End of Louisville. So we, again, there, there is a new generation out here in these streets. They are progressive. They're open-minded. They want to be engaged, but you got to believe in them first and, and believe that they can bring us forward. So I hope that four years from now, when we're back on at this again, that we, whoever the campaigns that emerge to primary, whoever's going to come out of the democratic establishment, because y'all better do that. Whoever you are, you better get it together and start working right now. Don't make me name names. Uh, we got That's, that's what we're going to do that four years from now. I mean, in the between the four years is engaging these communities. We're actually going on tour starting on October 22nd to Election Day. And we're wow. going to go we're going to nine states. Uh, we have a big rap bus. We're bringing hip hop artists. We're going to be engaging. And where I want to go is, is this with I, Until Freedom. Sorry. Until Freedom. And we're going to uh -huh. venture to the places that nobody wants to go. Like I'm going I want to we want to go to the hood like. The places that people tell you when you go to this city, this is the place not to go. That's yeah. the place that we're going to go right. because we believe those are the people that if they got up to vote, that that's how we can switch this election. I mean, some states that will go to like North Carolina, same day voter registration. I'm going to find some kids standing on a street corner. I'm going to say you, you and you jump in this bus right now. Don't tell me about how you're not registered to vote because I'm going to register you today and you voting today all yeah. on the same day. Same thing in Michigan. Yeah. We're going to see you all in Michigan. Flint, we come in Detroit, Dearborn. Well, you know, Dearborn is my little heart. So definitely going to Dearborn because I'm going to have some good food while I'm out there as well. So we <laughs> gonna make this happen too. Oh, I love it. Uh, Linda, one last question, uh, which has got to be about Palestine and Palestinian human rights. We've got a question from Serpico on YouTube. What do you think the future of Palestine post the Trump administration would be? This is, of course, imagining Trump is no longer there. What are, and I was just going to ask, yeah, what, what are some of like the silver linings, little openings that you see around, if any, um, if any when it comes to, you know, pulling, putting that wedge between the United States and Israel and around Palestinian human rights going forward. 
listen, um, as a Palestinian American myself, I have seen plenty of the silver lining. I have seen more progressives that have become a lot more courageous about saying that they want to stand up for the liberation of the Palestinian people. I have, uh, you know, seen even actual candidates running on, you know, a pro BDS, you know, kind of mantra or whatever you want to call it, platform, including the Ilhans and the Rashidas, but also the Cory Bushes and the many others that are going that are in Congress yeah. or going to yeah. Congress right now. So that has to be a silver lining. You know, I see the Democratic Socialists of America becoming a political force that is very aligned with um, Palestinian human rights. I have seen, you know, more actors and celebrities who feel more courageous to talk about this. And I think that for me, I'm cool. So I never want anybody to think that I'm, you know, poor little Linda. She's getting attacked again. I love it. It's great. Like I love. It. I wait. <laughs> and, if, and when, it, like, sometimes I'm sitting around. It's three days past and I'm like, wait a minute, I don't, I didn't get a Google alert today. What happened? <laughs> or I didn't get trolled. You know, I'm, I've gotten to a place in my life where all the trolling that I've been through and all the things I've been through have helped progressives really see the things that we've been trying to explain for a really long time. Yes. And, you know, the, the, the cause of Palestine is connected to the many social justice issues. It's for me. And I say this to progressives all the time. This is your South African apartheid moment. You yeah. either with you either support South African apartheid or you didn't support it. Yeah, and that's the thing when it comes to Palestine. And I will say I'm going to be a part of an event uh, with some folks around um, Christian Zionism, and just telling my Jews, my friends, you know, Matt knows, don't let them divide us. They love it. They don't want to see yeah. me and Matt hang out. They don't want to hate see it. They don't want to see that. The only way path forward is that we figure out a way to coexist where everybody's free. All I want is everybody to be free. You can't have yeah. some people who are free at the expense of another people. It doesn't work anywhere in the world, so it can't work in Palestine, Israel. But don't let the Christian Zionists keep dividing us because they are so good at that mastermind. And that's what the Trump administration is not really doing anything for pro-Israel Jews at all. But unfortunately, mm. somehow they think they are. What they really are is he's catering to evangelical Christian Zionists who believe in some crazy shit, like in order for their prophecy to be fulfilled, the Jews yeah, all, all got to go back to Israel. It's really bad. Like it's actually yeah. bad news, people. And that's yeah, no, it's it's the worst. It's literally we all move back, then Jesus comes back, and then you then then one third of us uh, convert convert, and two thirds die and go to hell. Yeah, but that's you'll be in the out. one third. It's, it's really horrible. It's really I mean, you horrible. Know, Look, first of all, if those Israel, are my I'm choices. Just, Here's I the thing: feel like if it's Jesus or hell, I'll read the book. I just, you know, <laughs> maybe it's a good book. Who knows? I could pretend to love. What do you mean? But if heaven is full of those nut jobs, do you really want to be there? This oh no! I mean, hell sounds more but, fun than that. Case. But Jesus loves you too, Matt. That's why me and Raphael created that podcast. Jesus oh, loves yeah. Matt. And Jesus loves Linda and Jesus mm -hmm. loves the Jews and Jesus loves the Muslims and Jesus loves us all. So that's what I'm yeah. gonna say. You gotta just tell them I love Jesus. That's it. And Jesus loves yeah. you, Francesca. Yeah, yeah, there we go. He loves you. He loves you. Does. Look, I just wanna say I feel like going forward, if there's one thing like we need all the money that we give Israel back. Like we don't <laughs> we can't afford you anymore. Like you're really like you're just like an expensive girlfriend. That's you know what, what I, I tell mean? my dad every just, time. I'm just like, Dad, just Venmo me the money that you were about to send abroad. <laughs> no, no, but like the, the trillions that the US government gives to Israel. Like we look, we're in a fucking pandemic. We're mishandling it. Mm -hmm. If Biden comes into office, we're gonna need all the money we can get for the Green New Deal or what not the Green New Deal. Uh -huh. So uh, can't afford it. Sorry. It's not even, you don't even have to make it political. You just say, make it a fiscal we're argument. We're broke. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Linda, one more segment. Will you stay for 
five minutes. I'm here. I'm staying. I'm staying. Yeah. So happy. It's our very last segment. We have a, a, a tradition on the show, which is called new segment. <laughs> Never done it before. Um, let's see if I can find this. Uh, we are imagining if uh, uh, the Lord and Savior of every uh, incel does perish. Um, Donald what, Trump. What will his hell be like? What would be the worst hell if you're Donald Trump? Like per- foreverness. Yeah. The forever of this thing. Like the like the Dante's Inferno of Trump. Like yeah. what does it look like? The multiple circles of hell. Oh, I don't know. I haven't thought about the circles. Well. But I, I definitely think, here's mine. Okay. Um, first of all, he's bald. Oh, yeah. No hair. Yeah, bald. yeah. Bald. Completely bald. Just egg. No, 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 not egg bald, but bald where like, you know, when people who are bald have like that, like shelf, it's like the the face of like the half dome where it's just like, go, <laughs> it goes straight back, but it's kind of like foldy. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. got a foldy half dome yeah. bald and surrounded by men with beautiful, luscious hair, just like <laughs> glorious, just like Pantene. Mm-hmm. Hair. Just Fabio's. Fabio's everywhere. Just so much hair. Bald. That's what I think his hell is. It's a good hell. It's a good hell. Um, I think that his hell would just be an endless staircase going down because he's very afraid of inclines. So so he would be trying to navigate the stairs for... No handrails? No handrails for, let's say, 100,000 years. Um, and then he finally gets to the bottom and the own, and there's women in hell, but the only women who are there are all the same age as him. And he has to live in a world where there's no young people for him to assault. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there is no McDonald's. There is only Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> we know he's brand loyal to McDonald's. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. That's a, there that, is that's, no McFish. There. A bunch of seven septuagenarian women <laughs> going around like you're disgusting. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're terrible. <laughs> Get off me, Linda. Hilarious. Imagine Trump's hell. What would what's bad for him? Well, the the good Muslim in me will say, well, I'm not the judge, Francesca, and I do not know for sure if Donald mm-hmm. Trump is going to go to hell. But the um, the Linda Sarsour says, um, I think there's going to be like a special spot in hell for him yeah. by himself. And I kind of thought about what it would look like. And your friends in the comments have some great ideas. Yeah, <laughs> they do. There will be no cameras. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then Obama would show up on loop firing him like every five minutes, <laughs> which would drive him crazy. Yeah. Um, and I like the whole no McDonald's thing. Cause he's going to be like, damn, no McDonald's. Yeah. Like that yeah. would be a, that for someone who eats McDonald's every single day for him not yeah. to have McDonald's, that would be quite torturous for him. Yeah. Oh yeah. He'd go through There'll withdrawal. Just nothing <laughs> Lots of salad. Oh yeah. Just still- but it will be hot enough down there that he might still have his little tan, I would say. Oh, yeah. 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 He, he, that's the problem. Also, he's going to be so orange that he blends in with the fire. Right. And no one will notice him. And that will be his true hell. I'm right here. Feeling alone 
in a room full so, of people. Someone's boyfriend said that he's going to have 72 virgins and they're all going to be Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's not nice, but it's not nice. Not nice. 72 virgins, all 72-year-old Rosie O'Donnells. <laughs> I love it. Linda Sarsour, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule, kicking all the ass, um, taking all the names, uh, inspiring us, doing all this hard work. And and I just, just plug, what do you want to plug? You, there are a couple things, but how can we support you and follow you? I, I hope that you all read my book because it's actually quite timely to read right now. So you won't, you won't, you will remember that we're not doomed. We actually, there's a little like light. So anyway, go read. We are not here to be bystanders, um, a memoir of love and resistance, and also catch me and Raphael Shimanov for Yay, our podcast. Jesus loves Linda and Raph. <laughs> it's a great podcast. I listened to, I listened to the first step. And it was fantastic. And of course, go check out untilfreedom.com and uh, follow us on the road for this election. And we'll take you to the communities that need your love. Yeah. So Thank you so much, Linda. Um, be well. Thanks for joining us. Great to see you again. Thank so you, good to see you. Take good care. And uh, Kimberly, oh my gosh, thanks for the super chat. Trump's master turns into every woman he's scared of from AOC, Hillary, Ilhan, et cetera. I love that. <laughs> There's definitely going to be a Linda Sarsour sort of like uh, in mirror image who will mm -hmm. just torture Trump mm. um, in hell. Like a T-1000 of all the most badass yeah. activist women. Exactly. Yeah, uh, I like that. I love that. Um, Matt Lieb, thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is great. I love coming on this podcast. Um, while I was doing it, the Lakers won the championship. <gasps> so I missed that. But other than that, <laughs> I got to see the score. And so that's... Well, you need to DVR these things, I did. Things, I DVR'd it. I DVR'd it. Um, so I'm going to watch that. But thank you so much. Follow me on Instagram at Matt Lieb jokes because yes. I need Instagram followers. He needs Instagram followers. And also, hey, guys, tip this show, TBR-Live, TBR-Live on Cash App. Hope you didn't forget to do that. I didn't plug it, um, but do that. Your tips mean so, so much. We are donating to grassroots organizations who are getting out the vote through Seed the Vote. And thanks so much to Becca Roofer, our wonderful producer. Thank you all for being here. And remember, this is my reason for voting. 11 million undocumented immigrants who deserve the right to vote, many of whom have been in this country for decades, who are under threat of deportation, DACA recipients who are also unable to vote. Let's vote for those folks who cannot uh, stupidly exercise their right, even though they pay taxes. And also we should vote, vote for Biden because the alternative is this. When you look at me, I had to beat off. I had to beat off the phony Mueller report. I had to beat off all this stuff. I had to beat off impeachment. I had to beat off Congress, everything else. <laughs> so. Proud boys, stand back and beat off. <laughs> I think he means beat back, but. Uh, I think it's beat off. Let's beat be off. real. We're yeah. going to beat off. Guys, uh, happy Indigenous Peoples Day. Have a great week. Love you. Remember, don't just bitch about it. Be about it. Beat off about it. Beat off about it. <laughs> Bye.